everyone, and welcome to another Overflow Pod. How was your Easter? I truly enjoyed mine. It was a little weird, though, going to a church service and not preaching in it. And the last time that happened for me was over 20 years ago. But I was able to sit back and to listen to how Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day to conquer death and give us hope for eternal life and a relationship with him, if we only ask him. It was pretty cool just sitting there and relaxing and enjoying it, not being responsible for everything. Because when you're responsible for things, it can really be difficult to enjoy it. I even got to watch videos of our friends' worship services in other states because they shared it with us. And this was the first time that ever happened where friends of ours shared their Easter with us. And that was pretty cool, even including their Easter egg hunts. It was very special for my wife and I. You see, Easter shows us how much God loves us. It's one of the lessons we learn, we need to learn in life is how to love. And one of the main ways God teaches us how to love each day is by our friends. God wants us to learn how to love. It's one of the key things that God puts you on earth to do. And we can do this by building deep friendships. So when someone says, I don't have time right now for friends, or I'm too busy with work or assignments or whatever, it's not a good reason. You see, friends are more important than you realize. And I'm going to give you five really good reasons why you need awesome people in your life. Number one, you need awesome friends for spiritual growth. It's worth your time to build friendships for spiritual growth. You can't become like Jesus Christ if you can't become all God meant you to be. You can't grow to spiritual maturity by yourself, period. Done. It's over. You have to have friends in order to accomplish God's purpose in your life because you can't fulfill God's purpose for your life alone. Romans 1.12 says that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. There's the reason for that. We need each other for spiritual growth. Second, you need awesome friends for emotional support. Life is a journey and you need companions. And there are two people in your life. A favorite pastor of mine calls them VDPs and VIPs. You probably know what a VIP is, but let me explain. VDPs are very dependent people. And VIPs are very inspirational people. Not important, but inspirational. So VDPs are very dependent people and VIPs are very inspirational people. The dependent people will drain you and you need fewer of them in your life. You need the ones that will inspire you to be the best. In the Bible, the phrase one another is used 58 times. So there's 58 commands of what we're supposed to do to one another, love one another, care for one another, help one another, serve one another, greet one another, encourage one another. Obviously, you can't do that alone. So you can't do those 58 commands if you don't have friends. So you need friends for spiritual growth and for emotional support. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. That's a command. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So if you're not helping out with any other your friends, you're not fulfilling the law of Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself. Third, you need awesome friends for better health. Not only does the Bible talk about this, science has confirmed it over and over again. You'll live longer and healthier if you have healthy friendships. People without friends don't live as long as people with them. They're not as healthy. And one of the reasons is, is friends is a place that you can unload your negative emotions. The Bible says this in James 5.16, admit your faults to one another. 
Notice it doesn't say to God, it says, admit your faults to one another. See, a lot of times we just pray to God and say, oh, that's it. But the verse continues and says, pray for each other so that you may be healed. So if all you want to be is forgiven, then just go to God. But if you want to be healed, go to each other. And there's a reason for that. Because you need to dump your negative feelings somewhere. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. You know those habits you don't like? You're never going to get well on your own. You need other people to help you out. God wired the universe that some things we only improve on with the help of other people. We got to learn to tackle them as a team. And you need people for that. Fourth, you need awesome friends for social enjoyment. Life is meant to be enjoyed, not merely endured. Friendships are like the bedrock of a satisfying life. You can make all the money in the world and have all the achievements in the world and have all the pleasure in the world, but if your relationship stinks, life stinks. Nothing can compensate you for the lack of good relationships. And when you have awesome friends, the joys in your life are doubled because you can share them with them. And the sorrows in your life are cut in half because you can share them as well. Fifth reason, you need awesome friends to reach your goals. You will never fulfill the goals in life that you have for your life by yourself. And if you do, they're pretty puny goals. They're not big enough. Anything great can't be done by just one person. It takes a team. You got to have friends in your life if you're going to accomplish much. The Bible says two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. Since these are the reasons I need also friendships in my life, you have spiritual growth, emotional support, better health, social enjoyment, reaching your goals. So where do you get friends like that? How do I make friends like that? Well, where do you find them? I think obviously the best place to look first is the church because you're going to find hopefully the highest quality of people there, the best character, similar values. You go there and you can have some sincere, deep friendships. And I'd encourage you to either get involved in the ministry of a local church or if they have a small group, go in there. And there's there's definitely other places that you can find friends, but you can't go wrong starting a church. So how do I develop these awesome friendships? Well, if I had to summarize it, it would be pretty simple. It'd just be to follow the golden rule. Matthew seven twelve: do for others what you would like them to do for you. This summarizes all that's taught in the Law and Prophets. So profound. Do to other people what you would like them to have do to you. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. So if you apply that to friendship, if you really want to have great, deep, meaningful, lifelong friendships, it's real simple. Be the friend that you would like to have. You're not going to have those kinds of deep friendships unless you're that kind of friend. Because here's the secret. You will attract what you are, not what you want. You don't attract in life what you want. You attract what you are. If you're a shallow person, you're going to attract shallow people. If you're a loving person, you're going to attract loving people. If you're a gossip, you will attract gossips. If you're bitter, you're going to have bitter people around you who complain about everything. You attract what you are. And if you want really deep, loyal friends in your life, guess what? That means you have to be that kind of person. Now, we have the basis for how to develop these awesome friendships. So let me break down the golden rule into six practical ways to show it. So how do we show it? How do we treat other people the way we want to be treated to have these awesome relationships in our lives? 
First thing you got to do, very first practical way, invest the time. That's the starting point. You invest the time and energy to build friendships. This morning, Jeanette had to go to work for a meeting that started at 7 a.m. So she had to leave at like 6.15 and wake up at 5 something. Now, I was already downstairs on the treadmill when she got up. The difference between us, though, was that I went to bed at like 9 and she went to bed at 1. <laughs> and the reason was that someone asked her to be a part of an uh, online game and she wanted to spend time to develop her friendships with them. She would rather do that than sleep. You see, deep friendships aren't accidental. They're on purpose. They're intentional. They're a choice. Deep friendships are not instant. You don't start off having deep friendship. It takes years. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that has friends must show himself friendly. Obviously, you're not going to have friends unless you put forth the effort to be friends. Here's the point I want to make. Stop waiting for people to be your friend. Stop waiting for people. Show them how. You be a friend and you make the effort and you show them how. By the way, if someone shows up in your life only at the time when they need you, when they can meet, they're not a friend. They're an acquaintance. Friends show up whether they need you or not. Friends just show up. They're kind of annoying that way. I'm <laughs> just kidding. They don't have a reason to show up. Philippians 2.4 says, do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. If you follow that verse, you'll have more friends in life than you can ever imagine. Don't just be interested in your own life. Be interested in the lives of others. Let me say it this way. If you practice this verse, you'll make more friends in the next two months than you have in two years of trying to get other people just to be interested in you. Other people aren't going to be interested in you. I hate to tell you that. People are only interested in themselves. You get more friends by being interested in others, period. You can't be a friend without presence. So just show up. You got to invest the time. It's the first practical way to build friendships because if you don't invest the time, you don't have a friendship. Second, earn their trust. This is a biggie. If you want to build friends, you got to earn trust. Trust is what makes a friendship a friendship. This is the difference between being an acquaintance and a friend. You talk to an acquaintance, but you trust your friends. If you don't trust them, they're not your friend. You may spend eight hours a day with them at work, but they're not a friend. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, many people claim to be a friend, but it's rare to find someone who is truly trustworthy. People don't give their way their trust automatically. You got to earn it. You don't get a friendship automatically. You got to earn trust. And you do that, the Bible says in three ways. First, be reliable. You build trust with somebody by being reliable. You're predictable. You're not fickle. You're not wishy-washy. You're not hot and cold. You're not erratic. You can be counted on. You keep your word. When you have somebody in your life who's hot and cold, one day they like you, the next day they're being a jerk. They don't always show up. They're not a friend. Reliability is a huge deal when it comes to friends. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. That means when you're sick, when you're irritated, when you're lonely, when you're being a jerk, a friend loves you all the time. The greatest ability in life is dependability, reliability. And the Bible says it's hard to find people who are reliable, who are trustworthy, who are dependable. Second way to earn someone's trust is by being loyal. Loyalty is a term we don't talk much about anymore because nobody's loyal to anything. 
There's no such thing as brand loyalty or loyalty to a church or to a company. People just aren't loyal. But loyalty is a commitment that says, I'm going to put you before myself. You see, loyalty is the opposite of being self-centered. It's the opposite of being all about me. It says, I'm going to help you right now instead of helping myself. That's loyalty. Now, the second part of the verse in Proverbs 17, 17 says, A brother is born for a time of adversity. They show up when you need to move. They show up when you're tired, when you're sick, when I need your help, when you're under stress, when your basement's flooded. They're born to help in time of need. Third way to build trust is by keeping confidences. Everybody needs one person in their life that they say, that person is safe. I can share anything with that person. They're not going to look at me weirdly. They're not going to reject me. They're not going to dump me. But they're going to be there. If you don't have a person like that in your life, I feel sad for you because you need a safe person in your life where you can share everything, the worst things you feel about yourself, the doubts that creep in. It's essential that the person remain confidential. One of the markers of a true friend is that they know how to keep a secret. If you really want people to trust you, you can't be a gossip. And if you're wondering why you don't have any deep friendships, maybe it's because you talk too much about things you shouldn't. So nobody trusts you. Proverbs eleven thirteen says a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Do you know that God hates gossip? In fact, the Bible says it's one of the seven things God hates. He hates gossip. It's right up there with murder. We don't think gossip is a big deal, but it's a big deal to God. And if you want to have deep friendships, you're going to have to quit it. You say, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to talk about it. Because if you won't make that commitment, you're never going to have your deep friendships. Why? Because people will be shallow and superficial with you. And by the way, anybody who gossips to you, I guarantee you they're gossiping about you. Count on it. They're not your friend. Anybody who gossips to you is also gossiping about you. Because they don't have any integrity. They talk about other people. Instead of talking to the person, they talk to somebody else. Trust takes years to build and can be lost in one second of gossip. Build trust for 10 years and lose it in just a matter of seconds. Third practical way is to listen with empathy. Listening, I believe, is probably the most important skill in building friendships and relationships. Because you can't love people without listening to them. You can't do it. We all need to learn how to listen better, especially like people like me who have ADD. It's really a task to focus ourselves, to train our minds, to focus on one person and not be distracted. It improves, though, with practice. There's a big difference between hearing and listening. You can hear something and not really be listening. I still think of that movie, White Men Can't Jump. You can't. You may be listening, Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy or something like that. I love that movie. Anyway, I can't tell you how many arguments I've had with my kids or my wife where I've had the argument because I was listening to the words instead of the emotions. Sometimes words don't even matter. They're not important. If somebody says I'm fine, they're not fine. You got to listen to the emotion behind the words. And that's really like the essence of being a parent is trying to figure out not the words that your kids say, but the emotions behind them. James 1.19 says this, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Notice if you do the first one, quick to listen, 
you're going to be slow to anger and slow to speaking. We need to learn to listen with empathy. What does it mean to listen with empathy? Empathy is a fancy word that means you put yourself in someone's shoes. You walk a mile in their sandals. Learn their point of view. Ask yourself, how would I feel if I was in their situation? Listening with empathy means listen without interruption. And you listen by putting yourself in their position. And you listen for fears. And you listen for feelings. You listen for what they aren't saying. That's the difference between listening and hearing. You listen for what they aren't saying. Really important in listening is you're not trying to fix the situation. You're just listening. And sometimes healing comes just by listening. You don't need to fix it now. I'm not going to ask how many husbands have had their wife say to them, you always want to fix things. You never listen to my words. I just need you to listen to me. I learned that lesson really quick. I think it might have even been before I was married. I don't know. But it was definitely within the first year or so where, where Jeanette just came up to me and goes, Matt, stop trying to fix everything. I don't want you to fix everything. I just want you to listen to me. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it's that important. You got to learn to listen. And I learned that's the best way to love her. And you know what? Friendships are no different. Listen. Don't try to fix everything. Fourth practical way. Accept their flaws. We all have flaws. We all have faults. We all have defects, failings, weaknesses, sins. Nobody's perfect. The Bible says in Romans 15, 7, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. Christ accepted you completely. You didn't do anything for it. That's where grace comes in. There's nothing that you could offer God. Doesn't mean he approves of everything you do either. No, it's one-sided love and grace means he accepts you. Then God will be glorified, the verse continues. That approves of everything you do. It means he accepts you. It means you got to accept people the way you are, not the way you want them to be. So if you're married or you have friends, your spouse or your friends and have some characteristic that bugs you to death, I hate to tell you this, they're never going to change. <laughs> you got to decide, am I going to accept that about them or am I going to be miserable the rest of my life? There's some things there you just go, there's so many good qualities there, but and I'm going to overlook these weaknesses, these flaws, this flub. That's what the Bible means by acceptance. It says as God accepts you, it doesn't demand that you to be perfect in order to get into heaven. He shows you grace. You need to do that to other people as well. Proverbs 17, 9 says, overlooking a person's faults cultivates love, but nagging about them destroys friendships. That's the way to destroy a friendship is to always pick at your best friend. Number five, celebrate wins and losses. Oh, this is very important. The Bible commands that we do this. We celebrate wins and share losses. Romans 12, 15 says this, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. You need to learn how to celebrate not just the good things that happen to you, but you need to how, learn how to celebrate the good things that happen to other people without becoming envious, jealous, critical, resentful, or competitive. That's not what a friend does. A friend celebrates your wins as much as they celebrate their own. I remember when Jeanette and I first got married and we bought our first home and we invited the church over for a barbecue. And I remember specifically two families, both had three kids because it was pretty early in the day and they came over first. 
and they came over at the same time. And they didn't have the most money. They weren't in the best shape financially. But my wife and I were dinks at the time. I mean, double income, no kids. And we bought this four-bedroom home, which was way bigger than what we needed. And we bought it as a forever home where we raised our family and an investment, even though we didn't need it at the time. And it was interesting for the two couples. They responded completely differently. One couple made sarcastic comments about it and even said things like, how can you afford this on the, on what we're paying you? <laughs> While the other was all smiles, cheering and jumping around saying, this place is so awesome. I'm so glad you got this. Guess who we're still friends with to this day? Here's the important point. If you only know how to celebrate the good things that happen to you, you're going to be unhappy most of your life because good things aren't happening to you every day of your life. But if you look around at other people, good things happen to that person. And that person, if you look and you're able to celebrate the happiness of other people, you'll be happy your entire life because there's always something to celebrate in someone's life. Maybe we didn't have a baby, but our friends did. Maybe we didn't get a promotion, but they did. And if you learn to celebrate other people's instead of getting jealous about it, you're going to be happy your whole life. If, not, if you don't, you're going to be miserable. And then you'll want everybody to be miserable with you. You need to celebrate wins and celebrate others' joy as if it was your own. But there are also losses. Everyone has a lot of losses. You've gone through financial losses, job losses, funerals of parents, deaths, on and on. And I don't want to make a list and depress you. But we've all gone through a lot of pain. But when you have awesome friends, they'll be there to share with you in the deepest pain. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one part of the body suffers, all the other parts share in its suffering. And if one part is praised, all the others share in its happenings. When, when we mourn and other people are with us, they give us the strength to stand when we can't even get out of bed. They give us the strength to make it through the day. That's what friends do. They don't just celebrate. They're there when we go through the tough times as well. We need that. Number six, awesome friends, bring out your best. You want to help people become the people that they can't be without you. Nobody can become all they're meant to be by themselves. They need other people. There are people in your life that need you. Your best friend is the person who brings out the best in you. If the person you think is your best friend isn't bringing out the best in you, then they're really not your best friend. They're friends, but they're not your best friend. Your best friend brings out the best in you. Your life is richer. It's fuller. It's more meaningful because they help you grow. They help you improve. Proverbs 27, 17 says, just as iron sharpens, iron friends sharpen the minds of each other. Here's the thing about friendships. The older they get, the better they get. An old true friend won't let you lie to yourself. He'll make you face yourself. Make, he'll keep you honest. Proverbs 24, 26 says an honest answer is a shine sign of true friendship. Sometimes a mark of a friend requires frankness. Sometimes a friend has to speak up and say, I love you too much for you to do this. They, have to, they see you going in the wrong direction and they say, you know, you're going to be mad at me for saying this, but guess what? I care too much about you to let you go down this path. I care about your feelings, so I'm going to tell you, you're making a big mistake. Do you have anybody in your life who you've given permission to to do that? Or are you so afraid of conflict and being confronted that you just can't grow up? Do you have anybody in your life who you're good enough friends and, they tr and you trust them? And you have a right to say anything 
you need to say, if you think you're messing up, go right ahead and tell me that. If you don't have anybody, if you've never given anybody that permission, you don't have anybody who loves you enough to be honest with you when you need to hear it. If all your friends say it's none of your business or and then they're not your real friends. Friends make it their business. When they see somebody messing up, they step up. They step in. They don't want to be neutral. They take a side. Do you have anybody in your life that you care enough to do that with them? Do you love anybody in your life that you would go to them and risk rejection because you care about their relationship? You may reject me, but I care more about your future than how you feel. If you're afraid of someone's emotions, you're not really being a true friend. The Bible says this in Proverbs 27, 5, a truly good friend will openly correct you. You can trust a true friend to correct you. Why? Critics try to advise you from a spirit of rejection. Friends try to advise you from a spirit of acceptance. They already love you. You don't have to prove that. So since they already love you, you start at that point. Then they can tell you the truth. You don't take the truth from people you don't trust. But when you trust them, that person has the right to correct you. You see, awesome friends will nourish your spirit. They nudge you to grow. They push and prod you to become what you could be. Awesome friends help you see the humor and difficulty. They enlarge your perspective from a narrow vision. They help you stand in the fire. Awesome friends help you get unstuck and pull you out of a rut. They give you a jump start when your battery needs recharging. Awesome friends encourage you when you're discouraged. Provide a shoulder to cry on. Revitalize your energy. Share your burdens. Lift your moods. Share every day with you. Help you face the unknown. And encourage you to trust God more. And everything that I have said can be summed up in one word or one phrase of Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're to love people as much as you love you. You're to love people the way you are to love yourself. You're to treat them the way you like to be treated. You're to be the friend that you like to have. And when you do unto others as you have them do unto you, then you face these six golden rules. If you'll follow these six rules, you will develop meaningful friendships in your life and your life is going to be so much better than you can imagine. Well, I hope I've shown you how important awesome relationships are and I've encouraged you to go for it and to do everything you can to be an awesome friend. And in the next pod, we're going to look at having an awesome relationship with God. God bless. I'll see you next week.